saying happy, happy birthday. Happy New Year to, to you. you. Happy New Year <laughs> you to me. you. caught <laughs> me. It's happy birthday to another year. It's 2022. And um, this is Two Girls, One Ghost. Two Girls, One Ghost. And we are your ghostesses. And that's Corinne. And Hello. I'm Sabrina. And Corinne. Yes. There was a lot of chaos today. <laughs> <laughs> well, the chaos was good chaos. It, it is, but I had so many plans for the intro of this episode where I was like, you just talked about how we have to do horoscopes because we had done it in 2019 and clearly that didn't go well for us. But I, um, I had planned to like look them up and find horoscopes for us. And it wasn't until this very second that I realized I hadn't done it because I had to completely re-research and find a completely new thing to do and discuss on this episode maybe an hour ago because... It was it was 90 minutes ago. You called me and you said, oh my God, I'm so stupid. I did... <laughs> I wrote an entire thing, like detailed research on something you already covered. And I just need to say, I need to thank Aaron because I was looking at our inbox for an ep- for an email to read on this episode and I found this email and it was like, I loved hearing about the Palmer House Hotel. So cool, so spooky. And I was like, oh my God, wait. That's what I just researched. If our very first episode of the year was you doing a topic we've already covered i would have lost it it would have been so funny Uh, but you know neither of us would have realized because even when you told me i was like what happened there and you were telling me i was like i don't remember any of that nothing nothing i would have posted it i mean that's over two years ago yeah we would have posted it and someone would have said something to us and i'm not kidding when today like you know it was the morning i had my weekly therapy session and i was truly i was talking about how one of my biggest fears is being stupid or people thinking I'm dumb and stupid. And like, and then this happens. I was like, oh. Stupid. You're so fun. And TikTok (laughs) proves it because we posted the most fun TikTok of you today. You did. Um, You're a joy. You're very kind. Anyway, I did want to say, because I'm not going to be able to talk about this place, Nick and I went to Minnesota for part of the holidays and it was interesting to say the least. COVID may have ruined quite uh, basically that whole trip. But Nick's parents had so kindly planned because they knew that we were doing this episode about haunted Minnesota, like right mm-hmm. when we got back from the new year. And so Nick's parents reached out to the owner of the Palmer House Hotel, Kelly, and had set up a surprise visit. <gasps> and we were supposed to go, it was supposed to be a surprise. Oh. Oh my god and kelly was prepared to like you know we were gonna have lunch there we were gonna walk around she was gonna give us a private tour of the hotel and tell oh my us god all i'm those so stories. sad for you i know it was so sad that we weren't able to go and i had but i was like oh my gosh but i have to research it so of course i spent hours researching it and kelly and i had been <laughs> texting we were supposed to have a call today to talk about her personal hauntings and experiences in the hotel. And I mean, still bring that to the podcast. Like, I yes. did it without any connections to the Palmer House Hotel. So, yes. I think so, we can have like a 0.5, you know, episode. Yeah. Like it. a little like uh, update about it, about it. Yeah. Yeah. So, we weren't able to go, but we, I've been talking to Kelly and we're going to try to plan some other time when I'm in a, when we're all in Minnesota to do it. So, it will happen. We will talk to Kelly. We will get her stories. And there will be a point okay, five amazing. of the Palmer House Hotel. At least we'll have something. And yes. the benefit 
in the chaos that was your past 90 minutes is that we get a whole nother Minnesota story from you that yeah. you just researched. And a power hour research. And the beauty of this is that I could still read your horoscope if you would like me to. Yes, please do. Also, before you do that, let me just really quickly say shout out to Amber, who is a Patreon donor who picked yes. Haunted Minnesota as this episode. Yes. So, Thank you, Amber. We owe many a people thanks for this episode. <laughs> <laughs> the chaos that was this episode. Um, I hope you guys enjoy it, though. Who knows what's going to come out of our mouths after this. So this is on refinery29.com. So if you don't like it, we can find another one. But I'm going to read your No, I love – I am someone who always went to, like, Cosmo.com. Like, I I like the – or I shouldn't say Cosmo because that makes it sound like an actual astrology. Like, Cosmopolitan Magazine. (laughs) I've always been, like, a 17 magazine horoscope type of person. Yes. No, but I meant if you didn't like the horoscope, there's plenty of other places we can find a oh, different one okay. for you. That's better. But okay. This is the Leo horoscope. It says, the North Node's movement into the professional sector of your chart will likely bring destined new journeys upon your professional road. Hmm. While major projects will likely come your way, be sure to use the months prior to contemplate how you'd like to rise in your industry. For those who specialize in freelance contract work, The eclipses on April 30th and November 8th will likely attract crowned clients or favorable press. Others could instead see huge opportunities that they have worked long and hard toward. So don't sit back on your laurels. Focus on what you deserve. Aim for it and prove that you were meant for glory, especially on July 30th when Uranus and the North Node of Destiny bring an exciting opportunity your way. Win the Powerball, please. Put these three dates in your calendar. I will. Do you want me to read yours? Sure. Do you have the the website? Yeah, Refinery29. Yeah, perfect. I pulled it up. Virgo, correct? Yes, that's me. My friendly Virgo over there. (laughs) Your professional life was erratic for the majority of 2021. Wow. Nailed it. (laughs) The intense and heavy energy will feel somewhat lighter in 2022. I beg of you. (laughs) (laughs) This feels really accurate so far. Mercury's planetary moonwalk on May 10th to June 3rd will make you feel as though you're not able to flow through career advancement as easily as you thought. Jesus, this is depressing. Can I not have another year like this? (laughs) Don't get too caught up in these weeks, as it's just a moment in time. With Jupiter galvanizing the seventh house of contracts and partnerships until May 10th, and then again from October 28th to December 20th. I don't know what half of these things mean. I don't either, so... It says you'll be able to receive support from others and a generous agreement with the company that you work for. Mm -hmm. Well, you work for us, so... Yeah, I work for me and you work for us. Apparently, it's going to be We will be good to me. (laughs) I will be good to me. Like, you, yeah, you're your own boss right now. But beware. No. (laughs) I'm crying. Mars's backward spin from October 30th to January 12th, 2023 will... Stop. We'll take you back where you start. If you don't ask for guidance or help on projects. <laughs> this is so sad. This is so sad. I don't like this one. <laughs> Can I switch? <laughs> I'm going to find a 
different one. Let me find a different one for you. Let's grab something else. See, this is the PD. It started out so strong. It was like, <laughs> it will feel lighter in 2022. But then it was like, just kidding. Smacky in the face on the right Smack and then on the left. in the face. Okay, here's a nicer one. Okay. We are now on Hindustan Times. The people belonging to the Virgo sun sign might have to face a few challenges in the era of 2022. The tarot cards are also telling that you will face these challenges with courage and determination. This year will be auspicious for people who are working in government offices. Well, that's not you. Not me. The sweet bonding with the life partner will remain intact. Thank goodness for something. This year, here's the good part. Okay. This is the last sentence. This year, you will get results as per your actions. Okay. I feel like you're putting a lot of a- things into in to work. That's not words. Neither was that. You're you're working hard and you're <laughs> acting on things. You're setting yourself up for success. So, should that <laughs> that horoscope be accurate, not the first. <laughs> well, that's all I'm thinking about now. I'm going to have to email oh Refinery29 and give them some strong I'm words. Cracking up. That is so <laughs> funny. Okay, but going back to the Refinery29 one, like it 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 kind of hit me hard, but there was some positive things. And May tenth to June third is only a month or less than a month. Yeah, there's and just I have like pockets. three bachelorettes that month anyway, so I'll be busy. You're gonna be distracted, and I think yeah. that was around the same time that I was having weird things happen to me. So I think we'll be we'll at least be in things together. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I'll be able to receive support support from others and a generous agreement from the company I work with and for, (laughs) which is us. So Corinne, put that in your calendar too. October 28th to December 20th. um, Be generous. Extra extra support. (laughs) Emotional support needed on Sabrina's end. Wow. I will. Did you make any resolutions or goals or apparently I shouldn't or or something? You didn't? Um, okay. You don't have no, to. No, I did. I, I did. I um, I put a lot of like work goals. And oh, that's good. Yeah, <sighs> I did the opposite. I did self care because it's always the last thing on my list. Yeah, and I take care of everything else but myself. Mm-hmm. So I printed out a sheet and I put like thirty or thirty one days for each month. Oh, nice. And I have to check them off, and I have a different goal per month. So I'm going to start creating better habits. Guess which uh, self-care goal or health goal is on my list that's on my list almost every year. What? Get better at flossing. <laughs> oh. It's so gross that I have to continue to be like, you should floss, Corinne. I know. I'm so bad at it. It's just like, and it's one of those things where they say like people who floss tend to live longer because, and it's not just because flossing actually helps, but it's because you take the time to do that task meaning oh, you really? take the time to do other small things that are good for you well that's you you floss all the time no not really nick flosses all the time and if i brush my teeth before him he traps me from going out of the bathroom and makes me floss before i can leave yeah. he's a good husband he is instead of taking care of myself like i set my intentions to i asked one of my coworkers who went to india to visit her family to bring me back my favorite indian suite <gasps> it's these have you had them before they're they're these little like cashew. They're almost like kite shaped. And then they've got like some silvery foil on top. It's called like cashew or something like that. Oh, I don't know it. <sighs> they are my weakness. I oh eat. my gosh. I can't not eat the whole box. You treated yourself. It's fine. I'll, fl- I'll floss tonight. How yeah, there that? you go. <laughs> I started off this year sick. So it was like great. All, even, even though I had plans to like be productive and healthy and everything starting the year. I was just like, <sighs> oh, never mind. I'm going to be in bed with a brain fog. I know. And um, It always happens that way. Well, forget horoscopes. 
Let's make our own success this year. And just have fun telling ghost stories all the time. And to all you fellow Virgos out there, we're in this together. Who's first? Apparently it's me. Oh, good. I have more time to like take in what I wrote (laughs) because I just was like reading and typing and not like breathing. Surprisingly, you were also texting me on the side in all caps. And I'm like, how does she even have time to text (laughs) me right now? I drank quite a lot of caffeine today. I was ignoring your text, though, because I was stuffing my face with a box of (laughs) cashew Indian sweets. (laughs) I was wondering why you weren't responding. I was quiet because my hands were busy. (laughs) Okay. So Amber picked out Minnesota as our topic. Minnesota is near and dear to the two girls, one goes heart, because Nick's family lives there. Yes. And Nick is a part of the two girls, one goes family. You've heard him here before. What's up? He's going to be so mad that I didn't invite him on this episode. Don't tell him. I know. Just make him listen back to it. <laughs> I mean, he won't even do that. I won't even tell him. Oh, I just was going off with my own intro right now, but here's what I wrote. I just want to read it. I said, what do we know about this state? Well, I know that Lizzo has a crush on the Minnesota Vikings, and so does your <laughs> husband, Nick. And that's about it. Could it be more true and... For those of you who are Minnesota Vikings fans or followers, who knows, Nick is very sad because they did not make the playoffs and their last game ever this season is this Sunday when this episode comes out and it means nothing. I don't follow football, so I have nothing to add here, but I will say as someone who attended your wedding, a fun <laughs> fact about your wedding and about Nick is that half about, about probably 40% of his vows were about the Vikings. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Um, A good two minutes. (laughs) So Nick started out his vows. Keep in mind, this was our third wedding. So we were like, let's have fun. And I and so he really took it to the next level. And then he yeah, I mean, there's a video of it. It, I'm not doing justice, but it was very funny. It was a big lead in because everyone thought he was talking about you. And then he was like, and then you find out he's talking about the Vikings. And you're like, oh, my God, he's a funny guy. He is funny. Don't tell him I said that. I won't. I would never. Thank you. Okay, so Minnesota. You obviously know more about it than I do. I know literally nothing about this state, and I've never been to it. But it's cold. It's cold. In the winter. But it's beautiful. I made an awesome discovery when researching about good old Minnesota. Do tell. And that is that Minnesota has a town called Anoka, and it is the very first city in the U.S. to have a Halloween celebration. The very first one in America. (gasps) Yes, which is so cool. Wait, that is really cool. Why? Did you read why and how and... Yeah. Oh, of course I'm going to tell you all about it. Great, great. Perfect. So here's what went down in Anoka way back when. So Halloween was a thing in the U.S. prior to Anoka's celebration, but similar to what you were discussing a few episodes back, Sabrina, when we were talking about Halloween and you were talking about like mischief night, uh, that whole vibe was pretty rampant around this holiday and the people of Anoka were like okay we are really not into uh this whole destruction of property thing yep so they're like how do we how do we do something so that the kids are distracted and they're not busy tipping our cows and pushing over our outhouses and and so on so this is year 1920 now and there's been years of of mischief and and not really trick but more crime And a few of the civil leaders were like, you know what? Let's end these pranks and give these restless teens something else to do instead. Let's have a giant party. And everyone's like, oh my God, that's such a good idea. I love that. 
I know. And I'm so, I'm jazzed that everyone was on board. Yeah. And so they planned this party for months. And then together with volunteers from the town, they prepped for weeks for costume parties and parades and block parties and all these little things, you know, entertainment, food, local shops were getting in on the action and decorating. They were like, yeah, this is going to be a whole big thing. This is going to be epic. And it freaking was. Everyone came together on Main Street for the parade and all the parade participants were given bags of goodies like candy and popcorn. And then the town made their way down to this large bonfire at Bridge Square. And it was such a success the tradition was born and within the next decade thousands of kids would and teens would get into their costumes and parade through the town for halloween and there were tens of thousands of spectators participating in the fun wow and as the years went on more attractions and more events were put on the celebration grew uh and then in 1937 so this is 17 years after the the first one a 12-year-old kid, Harold Blair, was marching in the parade, and he had a sweater on that had stitched into it. It said, Anoka, the Halloween capital of the world. And so now that's their claim to fame, and that's what they call themselves. That is so cool. Yes. And one more spooky tidbit that's that kind of bleeds into the, the true crime genre is that in 1970, the winners of the dating game won a trip to Anoka to ride in the Halloween parade. This was many seasons before the season of oh. the dating game where that serial murderer was one of the contestants. Richard something. Yeah. But still, every like it's so sad, but every time I hear the dating game, I just yeah, think of think that, that one, that, that killer. Also, I'm pretty but, sure the podcast about it is called The Dating Game. Well, there you go. That's why it's yeah. burnt into all of our, our memories. So we owe so much to Anoka, bringing the festivities stateside so that we can have our favorite holiday, Halloween. So to pay homage to this town, I decided to focus on a few of Anoka's many paranormal offerings. Offerings. It's like offerings. on a platter. <laughs> Which one do you choose? Some hors d'oeuvres. First on our haunted tour is Anoka State Hospital. Built in 1900 in the very first asylum in Minnesota, for 99 years, this hospital treated patients with mental illness. So the patients were sent there from the state's receiving hospitals, and they had around 100 patients at first. It was just men, and then a few years later, they started admitting women too. But just like all other hospitals at the time, they became overrun, and at one point, they were holding over 1,000 patients. Thousands of people have been treated there or were treated there until its closure in 1999. And unsurprisingly, because this is like the thousandth time we've been talking about old state hospitals and, and it always goes this way. And those who were treated there were mistreated. There was shock therapy, lobotomies, torture devices, restraints. Patients were often killed in these botched and unsafe procedures. And those whose lives were lost here were thrown into a grave and given a number as their gravestone. So <gasps> not even a name. That. I know. You can actually go visit that. You can go see the grave today. That the cemetery. So sad. And it just makes you think, like, how many people didn't even make it into a grave? How many people are just, like, yeah. not accounted for at all? Yeah. So the patients that were there were, you know, seeing what was happening to their their fellow patients i i almost said inmates because that's almost what it feels like and so plenty of them were hoping to escape because they didn't want to fall victim to a similar fate as the other people that came before them so a lot of people would try to escape 
but rarely would they actually find their way off of the property because the buildings were connected by a somewhat elaborate and confusing tunnel system. Like there were a bunch of buildings on the property and you, instead of walking through the grass outside to building to building, underground there were all these tunnels to bring you up into those buildings. So patients would run into the tunnels and they would become lost and sometimes they would end their own lives after being trapped and wandering these tunnels with no clear escape in sight. And the concrete walls of the tunnels, this is so sad, but the concrete walls of the tunnels tell the stories of those who are lost because there are scratch marks (gasps) down the sides of the walls from people trying to scratch their way out in desperation. Almost like being buried alive, it feels like. Like they're in a coffin, but it's a tunnel system down underground, catacomb style. And apparitions also are seen in the tunnels wandering through the darkness. That makes me so sad. In 1948, Governor Luther Youngdahl took a reporter and a photographer with him on Halloween to chronicle his stance against the conditions of Minnesota's seven asylums, including Anoka's, which helped get more funding. And so I added that fact in because I was like, look at that. Halloween is a big day here. Like things are changing on Halloween. Things are starting on Halloween. Uh, But now the Anoka State Hospital, although it was closed in 1999, it was reopened and changed into the Anoka Metro Regional Treatment Center. And some of the old buildings and tunnels, I mean, the tunnels are like off limits to to anyone who's not permitted to go down specific staff. Everything else is pretty much off limits. But those who did work in the building, because I mean, it was open until 1999. There are plenty of people alive today who have been treated there, who had worked there, who knew someone there. A lot of the people who used to work in this building say that the spirits of previous patients never left evps have been captured in the tunnels one recording captured a spirit saying get out and investigators and staff also report hearing laughter and whispers and footsteps from inside the tunnels and in the building's hallways and actually there's a picture that you can google that someone took of the building and you can see an apparition looking out the window and it's so clearly a person and i just feel like that just proves that the sense of unease that people consistently report in there is more than a feeling there are people there there's energy there are spirits there's so much going on there truly the tunnels make me so sad these things always do because it's like the the people it's not like there's some demon haunting this place it's the souls of people who were not treated properly Mm -hmm. and were left here and had basically a horrible end to their life i'm just shocked also that like no one like no one ever checked the tunnels or like went down like enough where people could be saved like they were just trapped in there and then died yeah i don't know i i would need to see a map of the tunnel system when i was looking at pictures online it did look confusing enough like that you know if you weren't it doesn't look like a place where you just like meander through it's like you have a mission you know exactly where you're going and you go that way you're not like zigzagging through all of these connecting tunnels so i'm sure there are some tunnels that just like never were were like gone through i don't i really don't know but the property's big like if you look at it on the map it's like i feel like it's almost like a college campus like well our our size college campus because we went to a small school but it feels like that where there's a lot of ground to cover and so I'm assuming the tunnel system is is pretty expansive too. Right. But yeah, you would think that like wouldn't someone hear like an echo? I don't know. I don't I don't either. Or maybe they just really weren't used. And maybe it was used a bunch until like the 40s or something and then they never used them and anymore like but patients would off. Well, now they're blocked off. So hopefully no one's down there except for the spirits. But yeah. speaking of spirits, 
Billy's Bar and Grill is next on our list. The building was first opened as Anoka's Hotel in 1877, and then it was renamed the Jackson Hotel. But just a few years later, it was in the path of the Anoka Fire, and much of it had been destroyed. There was this big fire that like went through Main Street and like knocked out half the buildings, a, a good majority of the downtown. Jeez. So this this was also in the path of the fire. Uh, so a lot of it did have to be restored. And it was reopened the next year. And in the same year that it reopened after being taken down by a fire was Anoka's first murder. And it was committed right outside of the hotel on the sidewalk. Peter Gross had been shot in the back by his friend as he was fleeing from his friend. And Peter then was brought to the top floor of the hotel, which is a a three-story hotel. And he died later that day. So he was shot outside of the hotel and then was attempted to be saved in the top floor of the hotel. So this building, in its infancy, saw a lot. It Fire and murder, like, basically right off the bat. Back to back, yeah. The hotel was rumored to be used also as a brothel, and legend goes that some of the brothel patrons murdered Madame Mrs. Jackson and took all of her money. Oh, rude. But an alternate story, which is, like, just as sad, is that Mrs. Jackson, Madame Mrs. Jackson, uh, died by suicide hanging in the bay window on the third floor after losing the hotel i don't know how she lost the hotel but both stories are really sad and they end with the death of of the woman who ran and operated this building so upstairs on the top two floors items have been moved around and patrons on the street occasionally spot a woman looking out the bay window which i'm like okay that's obviously mrs jackson it's gotta be But the top two floors of this three-story building have been condemned by the fire department. So they can't be restored. Nothing's going on there. It's like, I looked at pictures online. It's literally just used as storage. Like, I think people just, the people that own the building just kind of like have things thrown around. But they can't restore it. They can't do anything. Like, it's super unsafe. How come they can't restore it? I feel like, I feel like everything can be restored. I feel the same way. I don't know how it works with, with buildings being condemned. Maybe that just means like it, it truly has to be demoed and there's just not the funding to demo yeah maybe the top two floors and start from scratch or no interest in it i don't really know Hmm. but it's weird because the first floor is being used and it's being used by billy's bar and grill so doesn't that make it seem like that's dangerous to be on the first floor if the other floors are dangerous like couldn't they collapse in on the first floor right and also if you're operating a kitchen what if it catches fire and then like the whole building's on fire because the top two floors are super unsafe someone who works in construction please let us know what are we yeah. missing here? We need Billy to weigh in yeah. from Billy's Barn Grill. <laughs> What's going on here? Who'd you pay off? Who do you, I was just going to say. <laughs> Who do you know? Who do you know? Billy's actually a ghost and no one knows <laughs> the whole time. Just the elusive boss that only wow. pops in at 11 p.m. during closing. I want to be that elusiveness. I know. Well, you got to be a ghost, too, apparently. You also have to have a job, too, apparently. It sounds like you will for a moment in this year. <laughs> for a hot Maybe second. not by the end. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. <sighs> okay. But Billy's Bar and Grill, it's on the first floor, but it's a part of the toll building. So inevitably, there's paranormal activity there. Machines will malfunction. Rooms will suddenly become freezing cold. And spirits have been seen, like ghosts have been seen by the staff on the stairs leading up to the top levels. So the last place on my list, and by the way, there are many, many more, but I chose three because I wanted to be polite. (laughs) 
last on my list, but certainly not the last haunting in Anoka, Minnesota, is the post office. So during the Civil War, a soldier named Samuel Starrett was struck in the head by an artillery shell and he went blind. After the war, he and his wife Jenny then moved to Anoka and Sam took a job as a postmaster, which you're like, okay, well, that sounds like a pretty difficult job to have at that time, given your disability, because he was mostly blind. And right. so he he pretty much heavily relied and, and shared his job with his wife, Jenny, and she helped him sort all of the mail. So Sam and his wife were working together a lot to build up this new life after his injury in, in the Civil War. Sam only worked there for five years, but it's thought that his spirit is still in the post office. Ooh. So this is this is the really interesting part. So the post office the post office was was part of a house. Like whoever was the postmaster lived in the house and then worked in the post office. So it was like a big old big old building. Yeah. So the post office was almost taken out completely again by that same fire, the 1884 fire that went through Anoka, but it managed to escape the path. It was like just off of the path of where the fire took everything out on Main Street. And then three years later, even though it survived the fire, the post office was then moved another block down and, or I don't know how many blocks, a few blocks Mm -hmm. down and attached to another building that already existed there. So it just was kind of connected to other things. But what the town didn't realize was that they weren't just relocating the post office, but the hauntings in the post office as well. Wait, they moved with the building? Like, Like the ghosts, ghosts. they were were just just like, we want to stay in the post office, so we're going to move with you. Yeah, apparently absolutely nothing to do with the land. It was truly the post office. They just picked up this building and the ghosts were like riding along in this truck, getting dropped off. Cool. I know. I wonder what the contractors experienced. (laughs) Probably scary. Yeah. Uh, So then future homeowners would report that there was very much... uh, an active spirit in this building that was re- that was attached to this other home. The new family who lived in the house decided to rearrange some of the old photographs that had been left behind. And some of those photographs were from the Starrets when they lived there, from, from Jenny and Sam. And so the new owners were like, okay, like let's redecorate, let's move some things around. And so they took one of the photos and they hung it on the wall. And that same night, At some point overnight, that photograph that they had hung on the wall had somehow been removed from the wall and placed on the opposite side of the room, back where it originally was. And this dance with rearranging photos continued a few more times until the homeowners were like, okay, fine, let the ghost have a say in decorating. And this ghost is presumed to be Sam, the old postman. And I don't really know what happened to Sam and his family. I don't know where they moved to after, if they moved, like what their what their fate was, but apparently it was an impactful place for this family because Sam is still is still haunting it. Wow. So this same family who ch- attempted to rearrange some photos, they had a daughter who was a preteen when they lived in this home. She asks her mom why her mom's coming into her room at night with a long white nightgown. Oh, that's so unsettling. Yes. And obviously it wasn't her mom. Her mom's like, what are you talking about? I don't even own like a long white nightgown that you're talking. What are you saying? That's not me. So they aren't exactly sure who it is. 
maybe it's Jenny, but they think that it could be Sam and Jenny's daughter, Ellie, who had slept in that same bedroom when she lived there. I'm just going to do that to my kids, like dress up in a long white nightgown and stand in their doorway. And then my kids yeah. would be like, why are you walking? I'm like, I'm not. Just to give them I'm character, not. you know? Just like scare them a little bit. Just a sprinkle of trauma. Yeah. Are you afraid of the dark? Well, now you are. <laughs> Until the day when it happens again and you didn't actually do anything and you're like, what? Okay, I just read this book and it's called The Last Days of Jack Sparks. It's very paranormal. They were like some concepts that really got me because like there are some hauntings that happen throughout and then you learn this thing like the person who it was like died before it. So it was like the hauntings were oh. happening and people thought he was real, but he was, like, living in two timelines, and it was really, what? really... So, with the story, it's, like, what if it's the mom, but she, like, does it from the other side because she has to fulfill it? It's kind of like in Harry Potter when he thinks he sees his dad perform the Patronus to save him, mm-hmm. but he realizes it's actually him saving himself, which is such That's a interesting. kind of mind-blowing concept, but... Or was of- it, like, truly a wrinkle in time where... Jenny didn't even realize that she was checking on a daughter that wasn't hers. Like, what was she just going yeah. through the process of like opening and checking on, on her daughter Ellie, and there was no like recognition that she w- wasn't seeing Ellie. That it was like some other girl in the bed from the future. Right. I really don't understand time, <laughs> or the paranormal. <laughs> I mean, or really I don't think anything. we will until we find it i mean we found it we just still don't know what's going i mean on. when we are in it ourselves when we die oh okay. i was just trying to say it in a way without saying when we die because when my die. forecast for the year is already pretty negative no you're not gonna <laughs> remember your love it's ignited it's, it lives forever that's so. true thank thank goodness for that yeah you're fine like <laughs> we're fine well. doesn't know what they're talking about <laughs> uh okay but yeah that's That is uh, Anoka, Minnesota, the birthplace of America's Halloween parties and a small town with big history and big hauntings. And they are, like I've said, a thousand, not a thousand times, like four times throughout this this, uh, whole spiel of mine about Anoka. There are so many more haunted places and many of them are walking distance to one another. So if you're in the area or if you're planning a road trip, you should stop by. Take a tour from Anoka's Historical Society and also maybe stop by the Anoka State Hospital to pay your respects to the victims that are buried in the nearby cemetery. Do they still have the holiday party every or the Halloween party every year? Yeah, they have a ton of events. It's like I, a big, I, I think it's similar to probably like Salem, Massachusetts. Okay. I wonder if all the ghosts of the town like come to the party every year. Oh, that would be so fun. And people just think that they're, you know, other people attending. It's the party they of the blend year. right in. Yeah, I've heard that, I mean, through the, the research that I did, I think they've like kind of edited some of the stuff that they do. And I think there's a lot of like, obviously like ghost hunts and the parade and, and they get into all of the activities. There's a bunch of stuff going on. Oh, so fun. Yeah. We should add it to our list of yeah. Halloween festivals to attend in the future. It is fun. I think we have a few episodes of like haunted states specifically in our lineup for the year. And I, it just makes me want to like spend a whole month in each state because there's so many I places. Know. We can when we get our Scooby-Doo bus and we go on a road oh, trip. I know. One day. Maybe that's what will be the end of the year when we're gracious to me oh if when you say corinne quit your job and join me in a bus for two yeah. months and i'm like okay <laughs> yeah yeah why not why not why not 
Uh, never say never. All right, Sabrina. Okay. It's your time to shine. All right. Well, everyone has already heard about the mishap with my research. So I found a new really exciting place to research, and it is called Mounds Theater in Dayton's Bluff, St. Paul, Minnesota, which is, if you're not familiar with Minnesota, that it's known for its Twin Cities, um, St. Paul and Minneapolis. And so St. Paul is one of those Twin Cities. And also... Okay, this is just a side note because when I'm reading my... So I basically wrote this really as thoroughly and quickly as I could, but I didn't go and like check any spelling errors or really double check my work (laughs) because I didn't have time to. And as of late, I have realized my computer has like a serial killer tell because every time I type the letter N, it does a double N. Like the the key gets stuck. So every N in my research is a double N. (laughs) So if you ever get like a ransom note with the end with a double end, I know, like I know exactly who this is. <laughs> exactly, it's Sabrina. It's me. Um, which is quite annoying when I have to send emails and I just you know professional emails and I have to double check my ends. All Edit the time. everything with ends. Yeah, but okay. The Mounds Theater, in Minnesota, was originally built in 1922, a hundred years ago. Happy anniversary. And it was built as a venue for silent movies and live entertainment. It was renovated a few times, once in 1933 and again in 1950. And then all of a sudden, and I couldn't quite find out why, it closed in July of 1967. And the closing Hmm. was very, very abrupt. Like, people have claimed that, like, you know, they would go show up to go see a movie that they thought they were supposed to go to. And the doors were closed and locked and they, they never opened up again. And employees almost, like, didn't even know that it closed. And it was so abrupt that later, many years later, when it was reopened, it was found, like, that popcorn was just, like, still all over the floor. Like, it was that quick, as if, like, people, like, threw their popcorn to run out. And That's freaky. Yeah. Once it closed, the building sat vacant for quite a while. It grew more and more dilapidated. It was briefly used as a warehouse for this guy george hardenberg who had a um hobby of collecting old machines and vintage organ pipes so he would store them in the theater and then occasionally go back and visit and like tinker with his toys as he called them but it was just like a storage space for him and so no one else was going to it he was only going a few times and it wasn't really cared after or looked after so it kind of seemed like the building was destined for despair and demise Mm -hmm. it was boarded up and then vacant for over 35 years and people graffitied the building and it just seemed that this historical building was just gonna fall into dust and become a memory that was long forgotten but then In December of 2001, the theater was donated to the Portage for Youth, which is an organization in Minnesota, and the group planned to renovate the theater to help benefit the needs of the youth and families on St. Paul's east side. They received a $200,000 grant through the city to transform and renovate the building into a new grassroots theater and community center. It took two years to complete the renovations, and by 2003, the theater was reopened under the same name, the Mounds Theater, and has become home to plays, live entertainment, movies, concerts, weddings, receptions, educational activities, community gatherings, and of course, the home to ghosts. Too many of them. (laughs) 
because ever since renovations began in 2001, paranormal activity was rampant. So much so that in the midst of renovations, they had to call in the Minnesota Ghost Hunters Society and host seances and bring in psychics to try to figure out what was going on. And kind of as we've talked about before, when places go under renovation, the ghosts tend to act up a bit because they're like, hey, what the heck's going on? What are you doing to us? So I couldn't find anything about what happened during these investigations, but it was pretty clear that the place was determined most definitely haunted. And then once the theater reopened to the public in 2003, the rumors of paranormal activity started to spread. There were tales of a little girl in a pink dress bouncing a ball on stage like she was performing to a jilted usher with a real tood who had no desire to help you to your seat, but instead was one track mind trying to find his lady. Oh. And then there's also a story of the angry old man who works in the projection booth and projects some not-so-appropriate language to whoever passes by. I feel like anytime there's a spirit in a projection booth, it's always... They're always getting into hooligan shit. Yeah. They're always, like, turning the lights on and off or... Yeah. Yeah. Never plate haunting. Always just trying to stir the pot. Yeah. Exactly. And those are only just, like, a couple of the regulars who are known to haunt the theater, but there are more, and most of the ghosts are just playful and a little mischievous, but some are sure to send a chill running up and down your spine, head to toe, and then back, toe to head. Ruth, the director for Portage for Youth, once led a party of paranormal investigators into the projection room to do a sit-in. It was a dark and stormy October evening, and as they were sitting there, the dim light that they had set to see one another extinguished just went out and in fear the group noticed that the room began to drop several degrees becoming very very cold and then all of a sudden a noise pierced their ears it was the sound of a man crying oh yes and it sounds sad and they all were looking for where the sound was coming from and they all seemed to think it was coming from behind a partition in the room but there was nothing behind it and the sounds continued. So all these investigators are like, oh, this is sad. What a poor spirit. They're crying. But within moments, the voice just started to curse in a very inappropriate way, constantly. Like, I almost imagine it in SpongeBob when he curses and it's just like the ship horn over and over. <laughs> yeah. Ruth herself was in the room and she says that she kept her eyes peeled on the space behind the partition where they felt like the sound was coming from. And after a few moments of hearing this cursing, she saw a swirling cloud of mist appear, and in it, the form of a man slumped in the corner appeared. She couldn't look away, but she wishes she had because as she stared, this silhouette figure of a man lifted his head and stared back directly into her eyes. But the only thing is that his eyes were black. Completely black, glittering in their swollen sockets. And then Ruth felt anger come off of this spirit. Furious rage and anger. She knew that he was angry that this group was in his space. And she just had this instant feeling of, we need to get out of here. This man, this spirit did not want them there. They were not welcomed. And she felt that if they did not leave he was going to try to hurt them. So the group hightailed it out of there and 
were not forced to face the wrath of this man. Luckily, Ruth said she was often in the theater alone. She'd close up late at night. And there was one evening that really, truly startled her because she was heading out after turning the alarm on when all of a sudden she felt a hand grab her shoulder. And it felt like it was saying, don't leave, which made her want to leave even more. So she did. And when I first read this, I was like, we've heard so many stories of like spirits trying to hold someone back or tell them not to go somewhere because Mm -hmm. there's like something dangerous about to happen. So maybe this ghost was like trying to protect Ruth, but Ruth got home safely and nothing happened. So then I was like, well, maybe these ghosts don't like being alone because if you think about it, Mm. they spent years alone in this decaying building and they probably love that there's this lively energy that returned to their space and hate being alone because it reminds me, reminds them or maybe it makes them think that no one's ever going to come back because the theater closed so abruptly in the past. Like who knows who knows? They just or is it like a help me sort of <gasps> oh. grab? You know, I didn't think of that. Yeah, don't leave. Like don't something bad's gonna here. happen to me if you leave. Yes. <gasps> okay. Well, there are some dark spirits believed to be in this theater. Okay, well, there you go. So, but before we get to the dark spirits, I'll tell you a few more stories. So. There are these two volunteers, Fred Kappingst and Greg Cassimi, who have spent a lot of time in the theater and take a lot of photographs in the theater trying to catch the spirits on camera. And they've caught quite a lot of orbs. And Greg himself has seen a lot out of the corner of his eyes, shadows moving or darting quickly. But every time he turns to look, like there's nothing there. So he's uh-huh. never seen a spirit face to face, which he's probably grateful for. But Fred, on the other hand, wants to believe, but according to an article from 2008, he hadn't had a full encounter that he couldn't somehow explain away with a, you know, you know, a rational mind reason. So he's uh-huh. like, I still, I'm a skeptic. But interestingly enough, they've caught two photographs with spirits in them. One shows the ghostly image of a bald man sitting in the audience. And then another photo shows an image of a bushy-haired figure behind a counter of some kind, and they've both choked that it vaguely resembles Josh Groban selling hot dogs out of a wiener wagon. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, God. I'm going to look these up as you tell us the story. Other guests and employees have reported hearing their names whispered in their ears. People have had things thrown at them. Um... Others have been grabbed by someone and only to turn around and no one's there. So maybe there is a spirit that grabs people and, like, needs help. It's a, right. Yeah, whoever this is is very grabby. It's the guy with the sparkling black eyes? Same guy? I hope not. Um, as far as the ghosts go, there's no real way to verify who they were in their lives. But the theater has tried to do some research and has named the spirits, which I would do too, probably to just, like, be less afraid of them, you know? So... There are two spirits that they believe to be men, Jim and Red, who they believe were both long-term employees of the theater who loved it so much that they returned in the afterlife. Jim is all about order, and if he doesn't like the way the theater is operating, he will make sure people know about it. Uh, Red, on the other hand, is a bit more of a prankster who likes to flirt with blonde-haired visitors. So if you're blonde and you go to visit the theater and a man comes to flirt with you, make sure he's alive because he might be dead. I guess we are just not his type. We are not. And then interestingly, I don't think these are the same spirits of the man in the 
projection booth and the usher because they just seem description-wise very different. Because the guy in the projection booth is like angry, very, very viscerally angry and does not like people. Mm. I am curious what, what he has to cry about or why he's crying. I know, it makes me sad. Yeah, like it just seems like he's like begrudging old man. Like, you know, he he doesn't know he needs help or he doesn't know how to accept help. Yeah. And then the usher is kind of rude to people when they're like, you know, trying to find their seats. And he's just looking for his lady, which is also sad because it's like, you can't find your lady. Where's your lady? That makes me sad that you're stuck here and you can't find this woman. Right, and his frustration is only going to increase, which is then going to make him be a little bit bitter and sassy yeah. with all of the patrons or alternatively it could be the spirit red who's a flirt and he's looking for his lady meaning he's looking for his new lady oh he's, he's on, the, on market. the market he's trying to swipe right <laughs> there's another ghost mary who according to the theater they believe was a six-year-old girl who was tragically found strangled to death in the parking lot beside the theater over six decades ago. Her murder remains a cold case, but her spirit is that of the girl who is seen bouncing the ball on stage. She doesn't often communicate with visitors, but when people go and you know try to speak to the spirits that are present, they'll ask to speak to Mary, and instead of talking, she'll turn on and off flashlights, kind of letting people know that she's mm-hmm. there. There's also apparently a photo of Mary peeking behind a stool on the stage. And then I feel like that's creepy, like peeking. But it, anytime there's a photo of a ghost, peeking, I know. Like I, I understand they are curious and maybe timid yeah. and and maybe just as afraid of us as we yeah. are of them. But it I is don't know, scary. The peeking thing is so creepy. It does feel very childlike. You know, like I remember my mom and dad would have parties yeah. when we were younger, and I would we we all the kids had to be in the basement, but we'd creep up and like look peek out of the basement <laughs> door and be like, "What are they doing?" Um, okay. And here comes the scary dark stuff, which there's not a ton of information on, but there is a story of a paranormal group who was in the basement of the theater when all of a sudden it turned dark and cold, very similar to the story of investigators in the projection room. And they all instantly got this feeling of, we need to flee. And so they ran out of the basement. And when they got to safety, and like gathered themselves, more than one of them felt a severe pain, a burning pain on their back. Upon examination, every single person who felt this pain all had raw claw marks dragged down their backs. What? So the fact that multiple ha- multiple people had it is like terrifying because that means that demon was literally on their heels and very quick. That yeah. And targeted every yeah. single person. Yeah. I don't think it was every single one, but like multiple members. Yeah, that's yeah. so creepy. Like clearly it wanted them out and wanted them out now. It wasn't just like, oh, I'm going to spook you yeah. or I'm going to, you know, smack this person and make this other person faint and give this person a scratch or yeah. two. It was, it was like, get the freak out or I'm going to scratch your skin or off. Or was it like, you know, when you're around something negative, you have the feeling of fleeing because you know something bad's about to happen. So had they stayed, this thing was going to eat them. Because mm. that's what demons do. Mm. <laughs> I don't know. It's scary, yeah. though. So I don't know if other people have experienced this dark, demonic, claw-scratching thing in the basement. But it does not sound pleasant. 
Um, and in 2008, the theater actually auctioned off the chance to spend the night in, this is in quotes, in a haunted 1920s theater among the critters, creatures, and creepy things shuffling about. Um, I couldn't find who won, but I have a feeling that the winners didn't sleep and were probably <laughs> terrified while staying the night. Um I would be. Today, the theater offers paranormal investigations and tours in October, or you can also contact them privately for history and private tours year-round. But as a warning, you do have to sign a waiver that says if you get injured or suffer fear-induced heart attacks, that the theater is not liable. So do with that as you will. But it does sound a bit... That seems serious. Although it is a place for communities and children, so I imagine if anyone suffered a fear-induced heart attack, we'd probably know about it, and makes me think that no yeah, one has. Yeah, true. But just in case. They're just covering yeah. their butts. Yeah. That is the Mounds Theater in St. Paul, Minnesota. My gosh. This is so creepy. I always, I'm always curious when it's, when there's a theater or when there's, when there's just some sort of building where you're like, why are so many people haunting it? Why yeah. are so many people there? And I think because, you know what's interesting is that when I was doing research about this, almost every place that we research has a Wikipedia page. This didn't have a Wikipedia page at all. And like there's really little history. They don't want us they to know about it. They don't want us to know. And there's very little history about the time it was open as the silent movie theater. And I mean, huh. maybe because they have history tours at Mound Theater. So I do wonder if like, you know, they have historians and, you know, people who have done a ton of research about it. And I think when you're local yeah. to a place, it's probably easier to find record of it. Um, but yeah, I think it was open for quite a while. People loved it. It was a place of entertainment and joy and um, a place of work for people and yeah, so and it was also open during like a weird time in US history, so I'm sure there's a lot of things that happened in the area and around that space that could have True. caused it. It does make me wonder though, like when there's haunting like this, are you are you essentially when you pass over, if if for some reason you're stuck here or if you're given a choice, do you get like a selection? Like here's your Here's the carousel of like three really impactful things that happened mm. in your life. And you can choose to hunt either this theater that was your very first job or <laughs> Hawaii when you went on that amazing vacation or your childhood bedroom closet that you were afraid of for years yeah. and years and years. Never but then over. it's like, well, then how come some spirits can travel into a bunch of places or go to a place that they have no connection to, but just can access because like, you know, what other elements make it perfect for them to go to? Like right. your house, you know, growing up. I just don't get it. I don't either. You know what I was thinking of earlier today <laughs> when I was thinking about ghosts? <laughs> as you um, do. As we all do here. I was thinking about when people talk about going to palm readers or mediums and, and psychics and how a lot of them get a, a bad rep. And people people are very quick to discredit what what people in those – under those categories like say and it made me wonder like what if people truly were getting messages from the other side getting messages from spirit but those messages are different and they're contradictory things that which makes you think that that person is illegitimate 
But actually, we're just trusting that people are telling the truth on the other side. That's true. It's all just gossip. It's just from the oh, other that's side. that's so interesting. It really depends on the person from the other side who's talking to you, right? It's literally <sighs> just gossip. We're just trusting everything they say. Okay, but... I mean, I always think about what Conchetta Bertoli told us when we talked to her about how when you go to the other side, the like silly things that we think about in our human lives don't matter, like gossip and lies and drama and all of that. And it's kind of like you, all of that goes away. So I, I kind of want to think of these as of the spirits as like more pure. Yeah, but what if the outstanding quality of the person who passes over is that they were like a prankster know, and, and silly? We know there are pranksters, and that's ghosts. just yeah, that's just like such a part of them that that is their their main thing on the other side. I don't. I know. guess you want to hope we, we hear about. Yeah, that. I guess you want to hope though that like if it's an important thing that they're telling a message of that they would tell the truth. Yeah, we can hope. We can hope. We can hope. Hmm. We'll find out when we go to the other side. And then we won't remember when we're reincarnated. It'll oh be gosh. a brand new life and we'll have little memory. I just hope I don't make a fool of myself when I'm on the other side. All right. I have an email from Bree. Hey, ladies. First off, I'm a huge fan of the podcast and it got me through several hours of house projects, drives, and work. Here are a few quick stories that I've been wanting to share with y'all. Our house growing up definitely had a ton of activity when I was younger, but it has stopped over the years. Below are my stories, and I will try to keep them short and sweet. Before some backstory, I grew up in a very rural part of Minnesota on a farm. When I was 10 years old, my family and I lost my mom in a tragic car accident involving a train. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, horrible. We're so sorry. Living in rural Minnesota, a lot of train tracks are poorly marked and don't have armed guards. She was heading into work one morning. The sun was shining just bright enough. The corn was high enough to block her view, and she didn't yield to the tracks as they were hardly ever used. So there are times where I wonder if these occurrences ever had anything to do with her, like if she was messing with us or just wanted to be acknowledged. She had a playful and joking spirit, so it makes me wonder. Wow, that is so sad. I'm so sorry, Bree. I know. I'm a part of a farming family, and in the fall slash harvest time, that means not seeing my dad basically ever. He was usually in the field working by 6 a.m. and not getting home until about 12 a.m. to 2 a.m. Oh my God. Whoa. How can you live with no sleep and such hard like, labor? Yeah. Wow. One night, my sister and I were in our basement bedroom, and it was late, and we heard footsteps upstairs in the kitchen. Knowing it was only about 11 p.m., we knew our dad wouldn't be home. Then we thought, maybe it's our brother sleepwalking. He was a frequent sleepwalker. <laughs> His room was across the room from ours, so we went over and we checked, and he was sound asleep. We ran back into our room and got under the covers, just listening to the footsteps above us. In a matter of minutes, my sister was on the phone calling our dad, whispering in the phone, asking if he was home, and he wasn't, or if he would be coming back home to check on us since we heard footsteps. After 10 minutes, our dad came home, he searched the house, and he found no one. Oh my gosh. Another time, I had two of my best friends over for a sleepover. We were all upstairs in the living room watching a movie, and of course I fell asleep. <laughs> I don't know what time it was, but I was awakened by my friends screaming at the top of their lungs. <gasps> I bolted awake, I ran upstairs, and I found that my friends had locked themselves in the hallway bathroom. I pounded on the doors to have them let me in or to come out, and when they came out, they proceeded to tell me that my unplugged stereo cord that hung from my stereo on the window ledge started spinning and whipping around oh. out of nowhere. 
Neither one of them claimed to be near it as they were getting ready for bed. And my brother, who's three years younger than us, was recruited to sleep in my bedroom with us. And we kept the nightlight on the entire night. Oh, I love that. I love it's like when one person's scared, you have to pack everybody in one room together. It's like, we're all in this together. Even if you're not scared, you should be. Come here. Another occurrence that my family experienced was right before I came home. I came home from practice one night. And when I walked in, my dad, brother and sister were all pacing around the house in a frantic mess, searching the house, going upstairs and downstairs. And when I finally got my sister to calm down, she said that just minutes before I walked in, it sounded like someone had dumped an entire bookshelf full of books down our stairs. Just the loudest of noises, and they couldn't find anyone or anything throughout the entire house to explain the noise. After my sister graduated and moved on to college, that meant that I finally got our bedroom to myself. Oh, no. Well, I (laughs) should be something great, but... But after hearing the first three stories, we know it's probably not. We were home a lot in the morning, responsible for getting ourselves up and out of bed as my dad had to be out early on the farm. I don't remember if I was going through some shit at the time. I mean, I probably was. Like, what 15-year-old doesn't? But I can recall this feeling of being watched when I was sleeping. The feeling was so intense that I remember shooting awake because it felt like someone was standing right over me by the side of the bed, just staring. And I didn't see anyone or anything, but it felt like they were just standing there. Like they were bent over with their hands on their knees so that their face was eye level with mine on the pillow. I'm actually getting teary writing this because the feeling was so intense. And this happened early in the morning. I was home alone. My brother had gotten on the bus because he went to a different school and my dad was at the farm. So I got ready for school all while I felt like someone was there watching me. And I rushed out of the house and I got to school an hour before classes even started. (laughs) I still can't explain it to this day. So the last story I have is, to me, the most terrifying. One day, my sister and I were hanging out with two of our friends who were also sisters. It's about 6 p.m. at this point, and we were all hanging out at my friend's house about 10 minutes from ours. My dad and brother had a guy's day, and they went to town about an hour away. Out of nowhere, my dad calls my sister in a panic, and I hear him ask, Where are you and your sister? Are you safe? Where are you? And my sister puts him on the speaker so that my friends and I can hear what he was saying. We say, hey, we're at Clark's house. Why? And he proceeds to tell us that when he and my brother got home, there were three to four cop cars in our yard with their lights on. And when he got out of the truck to ask why and what was going on, cops were coming from out of the house. The responding cops proceeded to tell my dad that they had received a 911 call from inside (gasps) the house. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my God. I have chills. Oh my someone god, that called. is so scary. Someone called, breathed into the phone for a few seconds, and then hung up. Oh. <sighs> my back just got so cold, like cold air over it. Oh my gosh. <sighs> we locked our house all the time, and there was no sign of break-ins. The cops swept the house and did not find anyone, and they chalked it up to a wire malfunction, but I don't buy it. How does a wire malfunction cause a phone call to 911 with breathing on the other line it doesn't oh my god imagine listening to that 911 call oh i mean i feel like at the time you're just like holy shit someone's like hiding under their bed there's an intruder no i mean like now listening like for Bree and her family to listen back to it oh i know because i was thinking i was like oh it's just another day on the job for a normal 911 dispatcher until you learn that it was a ghost who called you i'm shook the call's coming from within the house. 
scary. So there you have it, my hauntings in a nutshell. I should add that for the longest time, my brother claimed to see the blue man hanging out in our basement. He's almost 25 now, and to this day, he does not like to talk about the blue man. Don't blame him. He was known for plucking chords on our guitars, sitting in the corner of our basement, and messing with the lights. Anyway, stay spooky, my friends, and see you on the other side. Brie. Okay, well, I think the fact that this is old farmland, it definitely has probably a plethora of ghosts. Mm-hmm. But I do 100% believe that the ghost who was like watching Brie while she was sleeping and getting ready was her mom. Yeah, it's it's hard because it's like when when you can't see someone there, but you feel the feeling of being watched or that someone else is there, you're bound to be spooked, whether the energy yeah. that's there is like warm and loving or if it's not. And so sometimes it's hard to differentiate because just you're just spooked in general because you're like, I know yeah. I'm the only one here and I'm I'm sensing someone else is here too. But she was alone. She was in her her new bedroom, new to her as in having it by herself, and no one no one else was there. So yeah, it very well could have been her mom keeping her company. Yeah, I mean you're totally right that you don't know because it's just like some knowing someone's watching you and but you know you're alone is so unsettling. But the the act of just like watching you sleep and kind of being the way she described it, it was like it felt like someone was like on their knees, just like sitting beside the bed. Feels very parental. Yeah, being really, really close and just watching. And yeah, it's like when people have babies and all they, instead of taking naps in their downtime, they're just staring at their baby sleeping. Yeah. <laughs> and honestly, maybe it was also her mom who was spinning the cord, the loose cord of her stereo, just giving her <laughs> friends Terrifying a her friends. Yeah, it's just like, oh, this will be a fun prank. Oh. I can't decide if it's more terrifying. It's probably more terrifying to experience it. But like, is it more terrifying to experience the cord spinning on its own or waking up to your friends screaming at the top of their lungs, like terror, terrified? I honestly think it would be the screaming because you don't know what's happening. At least with the cord, you're like paranormal activity. But screaming, you're like, is there someone coming here to kill me? Like, what's going on? Is the place on yeah, fire? Are they okay? Is someone dying? There's just, there's too much that it, that could be happening. That it could be. Yeah. Yeah. I'm I'm curious about this blue man who hangs out in the basement. Yeah. I wonder if he was the one that called 911. Oh, I can't get over that story. It's so unsettling. It's so creepy. To just breathe, too. <sighs> I mean, cuz it's like it doesn't make sense that an intruder would call 911 on themselves. No, and there was no sign of a break-in. Yeah. And if it was someone like living in the walls, why would they call 911 on themselves? I wonder if there's any history about the house and like this spirit wishes someone called 911 or had called 911 and it's like the, it's like a re- repetition of the event. Oh, yeah. Or maybe it's like a little kid who doesn't really know how to th- <laughs> use the phone, but, you know, like all the kids are, are taught, like, call 911. So they're like, oh, I'm going to use the phone. This is the only number I know, 911. Yeah. <sighs> Just the breathing a little so kid breath. Scary. Open mouth breather. I want to listen to that call. I know, me too. Brie, can you get a hold of it? <laughs> Honestly, that would be an amazing thing for like 911 dispatchers to put together, like a compilation of all the, the presumed paranormal calls. Just for us. Just for they us. They don't have enough going on answering calls and stuff. No, I want an Amazon Prime special with <laughs> 911 paranormal dispatcher calls. We might have to be the ones who put this together. Maybe this is the I don't job I'll start. have until May 10th. Yes, I support you. Thank you. Do it and bring me along. Okay. 
Our editor, Aiden Manning, is from Minnesota. He is a Minnesota native. Ayo. And I sent him a quick text earlier today saying, hey, do you believe in ghosts? And do you have any ghost stories? <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's an interesting thing that we've never asked him if he actually believes in what he has to listen to every single week when he edits our, yeah. our podcast. We also, I mean, fun fact about Aiden, we found our editors through Nick's dad, and originally Eric Foster was our editor and, you know, the whole organization of Fire Digital was our team. And we never really have had met them because they live in Minnesota. We've met Eric and Brooke, his wife. Then Aiden became our editor and we really didn't know anything about him. We were just like, great, cool, new editor who's awesome and kicks ass. And we were trying to get him a holiday gift and booze is, a, is always like a go-to and so I texted him I was like hey what do you drink turns out Aiden's 18 years old and we <laughs> almost sent him <laughs> we almost sent an underage kid alcohol so anyway Aiden's the best That's hilarious and so I wanted to feature his ghost story real quick on this episode he said so I grew up in a super haunted house my mother did an at-home daycare service and she can recall hearing kids running and laughing and when she went to go investigate there were no kids where she heard the running and laughing she even once saw a child writing on the wall but the next day when she went to look at that same wall the writing was gone but my story is about how I predicted the weather at age six so we were building a two-level shed on the side yard of our house, and I was just sitting inside doing whatever happy six-year-olds do, when suddenly I felt the urge to go outside. I opened the door and just ran to my parents who were building this shed, and I said, there's going to be a tornado. Keep in mind, it was a bright and sunny day. No clouds, no wind, and sure enough, 20 minutes later, the sky started turning green, bubbly clouds started rolling in, and a few moments later, the sirens went off. I had been inside as all of this happened, but I ran outside again and said, I told you there would be a tornado, and quickly we all ran inside to get into shelter. The home is a split-level house with a landing for the garage and stairs going up or down from there. I look to the bottom of the stairs and see myself looking right back at me. What? So as there's a tornado coming, I have to go down these stairs, and I get to the bottom and look back up, and I see myself standing there staring back at me up at the top. What in the Harry Potter? <laughs> Aiden. Aiden said this only something small happened. That's Aiden's been sitting on this for a year. He also said, now back to my mother. She was cursed or blessed with a bubble of no bad weather. Anytime a storm rolls by, it just misses us, and that's happened for years. So when this tornado was just at the other end of our small street, it all of a sudden just vanished. An effing tornado... Just gone. Poof. And it took down the biggest tree in the neighborhood, but the tree somehow only hit three fences, a playset, and an inflatable pool, and nothing else. That is my only encounter. And Aiden, it is incredible. <laughs> I'm shocked. Yeah. This is huge. huge. I feel like he's admitting, not really to paranormal activity, but that his family is magical <laughs> when it comes to weather. <laughs> to weather. Yeah. I wonder... He predicts weather, and his his mom controls it she's got this weather vortex around wow i need i feel like aiden you can harness this power i think i think think (laughs) aiden's magic i'm so curious like was there a weird glitch in time which is why he saw multiple of him like did future him tell him that the tornado was gonna happen which is why he ran out it's so weird it's reminding me of what you were mentioning earlier when 
when Harry thinks he's his dad saved him, but it was yeah. actually him, and it's like two places at once. But it's like, how did he know the knowledge until he knew the knowledge? And ah. it's it's so weird. It's so trippy. It's so weird. I don't understand. And to see himself twice, like it's not like he just looks down and sees himself at the bottom of the stairs, and it's like, whoa, that was weird. But the fact that he looks back up and also sees where he just was. Yeah. Did he even remember going down the stairs, or was there the weird like vortex body slam astral? I don't understand. I don't either. Wow. Whoa. This makes me want to hang out with Aiden's mom and just like <laughs> attach myself at the hip to her so that nothing ever happens. So to we me. avoid any bad weather. Could she come stay with me right now? We're supposed to get a snowstorm. <laughs> a snowstorm sounds so nice. It does when you don't have to go anywhere, and I don't. So yeah. Minnesota is haunted, so and the people haunted. who live there are clearly magical. So we gotta go. We gotta, we gotta go to this place. We gotta Birth- go again. Birthplace of the U.S. Halloween celebrations and Aiden Manning. <laughs> and nick zuli and nick zuli it does have a special place in my heart so i'm really excited that we got to do this episode and that it's how we started our year yeah thank you amber again for picking this suggesting it to us this is great i love doing state hauntings because i feel like i mean we have listeners from all over the world but i think that the greater majority are u.s based so like literally me whenever i hear anything within new england i'm like oh my god it's my home it's from my home and i like i like giving that to other people like the feeling of oh this is about me this is about like my state and my pride yeah well if you guys want us to do your state become a patreon donor and you can pick that as a uh, as your topic we also have other ways to support us you can rate and review us on itunes sabrina reads all the reviews so be nice (laughs) (laughs) yes please Please don't be mean, because then she only reads me the mean ones. (laughs) You guys heard heard my horoscope projection for the year. Just be kind to me. I need it right now. Be kind. We're all about support. Uh, We also have social media. We have Instagram. We have a Facebook group you can join. We have Twitter. We are TikToking now. (laughs) Talking. I'm learning. I'm trying. I've been watching a lot of YouTube videos to learn. I'm proud of the few videos we have. Yes. Um, we also have merch if you want to buy merch. Oh, you can also send us your ghost stories. Email them to us at two girls one ghost podcast at gmail.com. You can join us on Green Room live on Tuesdays. You can listen from your computer browser or you can also listen and download the app, uh, Spotify Green Room, and join us. It's Tuesday night at 5 p.m. Pacific, 8 p.m. Eastern. We go live every single Tuesday, every week. And we invite you guys to share your ghost stories. It's awesome. Also, thank you to Aiden and the Upfire Digital team and everybody who's supported our podcast and made it better and has gotten us to the point where we get to also do this in 2022. How magical is that? So magical. And also included in that list is our Patreon donors. We're so grateful for those of you who have donated to us over the years. And we will see you on the other side. side.